Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, Eric Christensen, pharmacist. Thanks so much for listening, taking time out of your day. Hopefully you can pick up a few uh, clinical practice pearls here. Uh, you can reach out to me. LinkedIn uh, is a good way to connect. Uh, stay in touch with me there. Probably most active on that social media platform. Uh, otherwise, um, reallifepharmacology.com or meded101.com. You can certainly shoot me an email. Hit the contact uh, button there. Uh, send me an email if you got suggestions, comments, concerns, things of, of that nature. So uh, with that said, let's get into the uh, drug of the day today. The drug I'm going to cover is Ibandronate. Uh, brand name of this medication is Boniva. Uh, it is a bisphosphonate used in the management of osteoporosis. Uh, also potentially off-label, I have seen uh, for elevated calcium levels in cancer as well. Um, most commonly, like I mentioned, in osteoporosis, it is a bisphosphonate, so it blocks bone resorption by inhibiting uh, osteoclasts. So it, it blocks that calcium uh, bone resorption by inhibiting osteoclasts. This ultimately leads to a strengthening of the bone, an increase in bone mineral density, and obviously, hopefully, uh, reducing the risk of fracture. With Ibandronate, there are a couple of formulations. So there's the oral formulation, which is actually dosed once a month. Uh, compared to some of the others like Alendronate, Resedronate, um, it is dosed once a month compared to uh, once a week like some of those other agents. Uh, there is an IV formulation as well uh, that is dosed every three months. Uh, IV is given as a uh, just a bolus 15 to 30 seconds usually is, is what's recommended per package insert. All right, so adverse effect profile. Uh, GI uh, upset is probably going to be the, the most common uh, with potential for esophageal irritation, that type of thing. Um, but we try to prevent this by administering uh, the oral medication um, in an appropriate manner. So... Uh, always got to remember this with any bisphosphonate medication that's taken orally. Uh, 60 minutes, um, at least 30 to 60 minutes, okay? And this is a, a little bit of a differentiation with Ibandronate. Uh, Ibandronate uh, does recommend in the package insert 60 minutes. And I would probably encourage that for most of the bisphosphonates to err on the, the safe side of caution. Um, but you will see in some of the others uh, that they do recommend 30 minutes. So uh, it's probably fine at 30 minutes, um, but uh, I, I, I would encourage uh, that the, the longer we can wait um, is, is probably better uh, in avoiding the potential for those uh, binding type interactions. 
So again, that's on the the trying to prevent uh, adverse effects. So we uh, give that medication 60 minutes before other meds, foods, drinks, um, other than plain water. And in preventing side effects, we give it with a full glass of plain water. Okay, You don't want to use any mineralized water or anything like that that could potentially um, bind up the drug. One other important thing to help minimize that risk of esophagitis is instructing patients not to lay down, which may be a temptation if they're getting up early to take it before breakfast and they like to eat breakfast right away in the morning. Uh, they may be tempted to take it and go back to bed for a half hour, hour, and then get up and eat breakfast. But um, it is absolutely not recommended to lay down. Uh, the risk being that tablet getting stuck uh, essentially in the esophagus and um, kind of eroding the tissue and, and causing damage in that esophagus and potentially um, lead to it to an ulceration. Okay, so those GI adverse effects, that's probably going to be the most common issue. Um, there is some potential for alterations in, in calcium levels just by the way the drug works and its mechanism of action. Uh, so that is something to, to maybe look out for. Uh, in addition, uh, one of the controversial things, and I believe I discussed it a little bit more in detail uh, on the Alendronate podcast, but um, osteonecrosis of the jaw. Uh, this is a situation where we've basically got uh, tissue within the jaw, bone tissue um, being damaged, atrophy, things like that. Um, and it is associated, potentially associated, with the use of bisphosphonates. Extremely, extremely rare. Uh, we do have uh, things that are risk factors for patients, uh, such as uh, dental surgery, for example, um, cancer patients may be at a little bit higher risk, but again, extremely, extremely rare, um, but something that I've definitely had to uh, address with patients and I've been asked about in the past. So uh, if you're a healthcare provider uh, doing education on this medication, um, definitely expect uh, patients to probably bring that up at, at some point and be prepared to uh, discuss uh, the some of the risks associated with that and the low risks and associations. Okay, so let's uh, just touch on monitoring here briefly. Uh, obviously, if we're using for osteoporosis, we're going to monitor that bone mineral density. So, you know, postmenopausal women, we're probably looking at T-scores, for example. Uh, just a, a quick jog of your memory, T-score, less than or equal to minus 2.5 that's generally going to be indicative of osteoporosis. Um, if that T-score is minus 1 to minus 2.5, that's kind of in that uh, intermediate range uh, where maybe they're a little bit osteopenic. And we might do some further uh, assessments, further calculations like a FRAC score, for example. Um, that'll guide us whether we want to um, utilize osteoporosis uh, medications to, to manage that patient or not. Uh, one other thing that, that we can always ask and, and pay attention to, um, pretty much no matter what you're doing, if you ever see a patient on an osteoporosis medication, uh, take the time and, and ask and assess about supplementation. Ensure they're getting adequate vitamin D. Okay, I've definitely seen that slip through the cracks. Um, so definitely pay attention to that and, and ask those questions. Uh, 
Uh, other monitoring things, uh, maybe more so for the IV formulation, uh, we would monitor renal function, making sure everything's okay there. Um, can potentially apply to the oral formulation there as well. And then the calcium levels, I, I mentioned those as well in the past. So let's take a quick break here, and then I will cover drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material, like ambulatory care, geriatrics, pharmacotherapy, uh, medication therapy management certification exam, or the NAPLEX, definitely go check out the links and resources at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, lots of good stuff. A lot of the review courses have um, over 10, 15, uh, 20 plus hours of content in some case cases um, going through various disease states and things that are covered um, on each specific exam. So definitely go check those out. Also uh, have question banks developed as well. If you're coming up on your test pretty quick here, uh, we've we've got question banks anywhere from 900 to 1500 questions plus, depending upon what you're looking at and the exam you're taking. So, um, and those question banks are growing as well. So definitely go uh, check those resources out, support the sponsor. Uh, if you're not a pharmacist, if you're a nurse, physician, med student, PA, nurse practitioner, uh, we've got other resources there as well. A few Amazon books on clinical pearls and medication management, uh, great resources for any uh, individual looking to uh, help expand their comfort level uh, with medications and how to safely uh, manage patients as well there. So let's finish up on drug interactions. So the first thing I think about is that administration procedure, making sure we aren't giving the medication um, ibandronate or any other bisphosphonate orally with other supplements, medications, because the drug can get bound up. And when the drug gets bound up, it stays in the gut, and then we don't get the beneficial effects. So very, very important to remember that. Uh, probably most notorious are some of the metal cations. So, you know, your irons, your zincs, your magnesiums, your calciums, those can definitely all bind up the drug and essentially leave it uh, ineffective. Now, we've also got some potential interactions where we're maybe trying to oppose the beneficial effects of the bisphosphonate. So, first one that comes to my mind is chronic steroids. Those can increase the risk for osteoporosis. Uh, same thing, patient with hyperthyroidism or we're over-supplementing thyroid replacement for a period of time, that can increase the risk of osteoporosis and obviously potentially negate some of the benefits that we're trying to get uh, from a bisphosphonate. Another class that's been associated with osteoporosis, uh, PPIs. So definitely uh, keep tabs on that, making sure that we're uh, minimizing doses, um, using you know, medication short-term as appropriate, if it is appropriate, and obviously reassessing those medications if they are being used long-term, uh, reassessing them to make sure that they're uh, still needed and uh, continued use is appropriate there. One other drug interaction I wanted to mention, this is uh, basically an additive effect, side effect. Uh, I do think of NSAIDs and their ability to uh, cause GI irritation, GI upset, potentially ulceration. 
So that could potentially add on uh, to the negative effects that bisphosphonates, oral bisphosphonates, can have uh, on the GI tract. So a few different interactions there uh, to think about. And I think I'm going to wrap it up for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely go support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, we've got audio books on there. You can get your first one for free at Audible. So definitely click on the uh, audio book link there. Also got Amazon titles if you like ebooks and uh, paperback uh, books as well. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast today, leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We're greatly appreciative of that. Uh, also share us. Send an email, send a post, Facebook message, Instagram message, wherever, uh, to your classmates, um, to your uh, students that maybe you're precepting. Uh, help them uh, benefit from the free education uh, provided here by sharing it with them. Sign up, reallifepharmacology.com. Get the free uh, 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. A really great resource, unique resource for young healthcare professionals trying to uh, figure out what's important and what's not. So I highlight some of the most important uh, clinically relevant clinical pearls in uh, practice that you're actually going to see. So go check that out simply for uh, subscribing, following the blog at reallifepharmacology.com. I'm going to sign off for today. Again, you can track me down on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, uh, PharmD, BCGP, BCPS. And you can also find me at reallifepharmacology.com or meded101.com and shoot me an email on those websites. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.